Welcome to What the Hex, your source for Warhammer Underworlds and under 30 crits that you wish you rolled, but you didn't. I'm Davey, I'm your co-host, and with me is a person I hope is not my uh, oversized, illegitimate son, uh, Josh. How are you doing, Josh? I am definitely not oversized, but <laughs> you never know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who can say? And you might still hit that growth spurt. Um, yeah. <laughs> We're... Oh, that's the best joke I've heard in my entire life. <laughs> uh, we are coming at you on November 16th. Uh, a couple days before this episode releases, we are going to be talking to you about uh, the Sons of Velmorn. Uh, there's a lot of hype around the other half of that starting box, and we thought we'd assign ourselves the challenge of trying to build a championship deck for the Sons of Velmorn. Uh, Josh and I have each built a deck, and then uh, so has Phil, uh, who is not on this episode, but uh, put in a little bit of the work to, to prep for it. Um, the idea here being, uh, that we're, we're going to set something up for you. We'll talk a little bit more about it later. Uh, but first we're going to check off a couple of, um, a couple of our usual segments, uh, in, in respect to that context right now, uh, we don't have any new information, no new news. Uh, there is an event coming up that's going to have some reveals and fingers crossed. Hopefully we'll see something in a week or two. I think they said that they're going to show something at Whoa. something Underworlds related at the next big thing. Um, and for some reason, it's escaping me what that next big thing is. By the time you hear this, uh, you probably have some sweet, sweet information, hopefully fingers crossed about something new coming up. I don't know. Um, and that may give us something to talk about down the line. Uh, no no uh, secret information here. This is all pure speculation, so we'll see. Uh, all right. Anyway, uh, actual, actual stuff. Uh, let's start, uh, let's go with community shout outs. Josh, do you got any community shout outs you want to hit? Yeah, absolutely. I want to give a big shout out to uh, our user on discord by the name of rusted branch. Uh, we had our local, uh, tournament here for nemesis format and following in the footsteps of, uh, one of your greatest hosts here, he, uh, <laughs> brought, the eyes of the nine to oh, his man. first tournament. Yeah. Uh, so it was real, real awesome to see him come out and, uh, he didn't, didn't place too high, but nope. he said he had a great time playing him and just had a all around good time, just hanging out with us and, and playing the game. So yeah. big shout out to him. Yeah. And, uh, I was playing the, the ringer. So I was, I was kind of running the tournament and running the, uh, if you, if you got a buy, if you're, if you're down, um, in the, at the bottom tables, then you'd play me. And I had brought a, uh, daring Delvers, uh, iron skulls, boys combo, uh, to, to play with. And so we had the classic matchup that you see at all the top tables, the eyes of the nine versus iron skulls, boys. Um, and it was a, it was a tremendous amount of fun. Like I, uh, honestly, like, um, it, it was, uh, is it, I'll, 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 uh, tag onto yours where Ben was like he clearly just enjoys playing the game so much that whatever's happening, like it's a good time. So, um, to all the players out there who are just learning and are willing to take their licks and all that sort of thing, and can do it. Uh, or even if you have been playing for a long time and you're, you're able to, uh, take your losses with grace, well then hats off that. I think that community shout out is headed towards you. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I've got 
two, one quick one. Uh, some of our compatriots uh, headed over to Battle Mallet to help them talk about recent uh, rivals slash nemesis events. So if you want to know more about the event Josh and I were just referencing, uh, you can do that on uh, Battle Mallet. I think it's their episode 46. Uh, regardless, at the time of this release, it should be their their latest, unless those saucy boys come out with something even faster. Um, uh, Skyler and Brian are on there talking, uh, talking rivals and nemesis. And uh, even if you're a championship player primarily, uh, it's 100% worth your time. I just finished listening a little bit earlier today. Really loved it. Uh, and uh, honestly, those guys uh, over there on, on Battle Mallet did a much better job of introducing our new host than we did. Uh, so <laughs> they, they kind of they, they, they get a little background on Brian Schuyler that, uh, that we actually didn't do here. So uh, if you want to know more about our hosts, go listen to a different podcast is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um and then uh one of our one of our favorite blogs uh mandarga's uh underdog certainty of death has popped back out uh, and he does a single card highlight i love this kind of article uh he does a deep dive on the card uh prospector it is uh from the daring delvers rivals pack that comes in the gnarl wood uh box set and uh, it is, it really kind of opened my eyes to this. Uh, I don't, I don't want to like over, over hype it, but uh, I mean, this is a card. It's uh, turns a fighter into an explorer and then a reaction. You get to place an available feature token within one hex of this fighter. Give this fighter one charge token. Uh, it doesn't seem like much, but uh, within one hex is actually also underneath you, which I kind of under, I, I, I kind of overlooked. Um, and that kind of opens up a whole lot of things. So he, it's it's that kind of uh, tech article where he lays out here's all the reasons why like this card is kind of sneaky good uh, and that's real fun. Plus the art is rad too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, without turning this podcast into a review of a review, I think that's probably one of the best cards to kind of right off the rip get a hold of because mm. it's not it's not an auto include card, right? It's yeah. not hot off the press, ready for a uh, forsaken and restricted card. Yeah. Uh, but it's definitely one where if you're playing a certain type of way, it's definitely worth considering. Yep. Yep. hundred percent. Uh, just being able to kind of manufacture your own spot, uh, synergizes better than, than you'd expect. So, uh, yeah. Uh, very cool article, um, about a, a card that I had certainly overlooked. Uh, Josh, what the heck has been going on with you? Oh, you know, not, not a whole lot. I've just, uh, kind of been in a weird limbo after the, the tournament, kind of looking at championship builds and trying to figure out what I, what I really want to start building next. Um, aside from that, haven't done much other than building for this episode, the, uh, sons of Elmorn. Well, let's back that up a bit because I don't think people have talked to you since you were at the tournament. What did you bring to the tournament? Oh, that's very fair. Yeah. So I uh, I brought Kanan's Reapers to the tournament. Uh, paired them with the Tooth and Claw. That's I, I tend to get that one wrong. Mm. Nope, Tooth uh, and Claw. Yeah. Tooth and Claw. Yeah. yeah I, every once in a while, I'll throw Fang and Claw out there, and Skyler's very quick to correct me on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but. I went uh, went three and one at that tournament. They were overall very very swingy games. 
Like either I was scoring very high or I was not. Mm. <laughs> uh, cool. Uh, how did you end up picking Tooth and Claw to go with those guys? So Tooth and Claw with those guys, um, I'll be honest, the initial inspiration was Hurricane Force. Mm. And seeing Kanan on that card was basically like, <laughs> I have an idea here. And it's yeah. Wall of Bones. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, basically, you're going to create such a threat that you're going to force people to kind of turtle up in their zone. Uh, is that is that the general idea that you'd be able Absolutely. to? Absolutely. I was okay. going. I was going very heavy invade aggro, uh, pairing that with path or no, no. I it was nemesis, so path of death wasn't included. Mm. Um, but I included cards that I usually don't play with which was really refreshing because i included gosh what's the i can't think of the name of it but it's the surge uh for reapers specifically where it's have three more techs in enemy territory and that's oh, just pride of the something cast yeah right? pride of the something cast and yep. it's basically just a, a a gimme surge glory if you get it in your hand turn one hmm. um and new to this play format which was really fun to explore for me was the fact that their reaction gives them move tokens. So you can essentially oh, right. clump them up turn one and then have them kind of like venture out from there. Yeah. Uh, or you can do a clump of one and then have them kind of move laterally and get mm -hmm. the other group kind of chained. Mm -hmm. Um, so really exploring their movement was something that I wanted to see because that's a war band that I'm really partial to. Yeah. That, uh, very cool. Uh, I, I already mentioned that, uh, for me, I, I did, uh, run that tournament and, uh, also played as the ringer iron skulls plus daring delvers. Uh, and it made for some, I had four really fun games, really enjoyed it. Like really had to rack my brain in a way that I wouldn't have expected. And it's a it's a salute to the Nemesis format because it takes what is uh, not just an incomplete Rivals deck, as in uh, Iron Skulls boys don't have a full 32-card deck that comes with them for faction guards, uh, but even within that, it's like, it's utterly dysfunctional. It has like a ton of stuff that's just, you know, from the first season before they kind of had the, their legs under them and figured out what they were doing uh, with some of that. Uh, and just being able to salt in another deck, all of a sudden I was like, I... I got some stuff. I think that's got a little bit of play, uh, and it, it made for it made for a bunch of good games. Um, so, uh, as special, I mean, I, I think I got to play uh, Jazz, Paven, Ben, and uh, Alex uh, Alex G, who came up uh, and hung out with us. And uh, Alex got me by by a point there, and uh, it was it was really fun, you know, to do that Nemesis thing where like you're dealing with the limitations of a warband. So he he had. Uh, uh, the uh, Skates Wild Hunt. Um, they've got a lot of good stuff, but what they don't have is damage. And so what he kept finding was like, uh, he could hit me, but it was going to take a couple hits to just get through a kill, right? Um, so uh, knowing that just kind of made for some interesting dynamics, real real fun game. Um, and then the only other thing is that uh, I, I took part in the uh, Vassal League uh, oh gosh, I say the only other thing we, you, you were one of the team <laughs> members. We, we, uh, we placed third, right? Dead middle in the WTC. Um, we fought the Italians almost to a standstill. 
Uh, I think we lost that one 75, 85, uh, very dramatic finish. We, we had it all, you know, a chance to win all the way to the end. Uh, and, uh, it's one of those things where like every single player that, uh, that was in that round, you know, they can look back like, oh man, if I had just managed to scrape this point here or there, like it could have been the difference. And that's, that's what you love about it. So, uh, I think we're going to try and talk more about team events somewhere down the line when the, when the opportunity opens, cause it's, it's pretty great. Um, uh, and not to, not to belabor this section too much, but I also played in the, in the Vassal league. And just today I got eliminated. Uh, I, I was on a tear with my grim watch. I thought I had a real great build. I got taken, uh, to the cleaners by Timur with his Hexbane's hunters, uh, to close out the, uh, regular season. And then, uh, in the first round of the elimination bracket, I, I had a big win, uh, in game one of our, of our matchup against a, a Gore chosen build. And then lost uh, close, and then lost bad. And the big thing was uh, how big the uh, charge rule has been, because in in previous times I would have just like walked away from these guys, but he would charge uh, somebody who had range two into a crowd, and then I just could not get away fast enough um, because uh, he only had the one guy. So then once uh, once that one guy had a charge counter, he could keep attacking. So uh, pretty uh, pretty interesting uh, change to things. Anyway, that's enough about stuff that is not uh, pertinent to the topic at hand. Are you good with getting into our main topic, the Sons of Elmorn? I I think I've emotionally prepared myself. For <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So the Sons of Elmorn, we we've already kind of covered them in in previous episodes, but we're going to give you a a real uh, quick overlook. Uh, Josh, uh, it is a five fighter warband. It has a leader who is pretty important to it. It has three grave guard, each with three wounds. Uh, they have access to a lot of upgrades and abilities that are kind of uh, restricted to just the grave guard in the warband. And it has one kind of like odd man out, and that's the five wound, uh, illegitimate son, Sir Jedrin. Sir Jedrin. Uh, and uh, it all is a bunch of pieces that maybe don't quite fit together. <laughs> I, I, the way that I've been kind of summing it up in conversations with other people is that it almost seems like they took a cohesive idea mm-hmm. and a, a competent war band. Mm-hmm. And then they dialed it back behind crits and added things that were fluffy, but not, quite good for the warband as a whole uh so the the core mechanic here the thing that really gives them them juice is the fact that the leader uh velmorn can provide supports after he's been activated to all of the fighters all of the other fighters yeah and by all of the other fighters i mean not jedrin <laughs> Everybody, not which is, veteran. which nice. is, which, you know, makes sense from yeah. a, a very like crunchy lore aspect. Cause it's like, Oh, the illegitimate son doesn't get support from his father. Ha yeah. ha ha. <laughs> that makes sense. But then it's like, wait a minute. That that's, that's probably the one that I want to be inspired. Why would he not get supports? That's, 
Yeah. That's the one that I want to lead the charge with. Nope. No, that's no functionally doesn't make sense. Not so. Um, yeah, it's just, and that, that theme is kind of pervasive through the entirety of the war band is like, ah, this would be really cool, but it's not. Yeah. It, it, again and again, you keep finding like, Oh, like this, this thing that seems like it would be really good. I'm just like one, mechanic or one restriction just shy of, of something, something really great. Uh, you, you mentioned, uh, after your leader activates, that's because he can react to get himself a command counter after he activates. If you can mm-hmm. engineer a command counter on him in other ways, you can, you can kind of cheat that out a little bit and those supports are powerful, right? Like they're, they're, they're available on offense and defense for those three, uh, legitimate heirs to his undying throne. Um, but uh, but the the trick is getting those in place, um, and then figuring out where to go from there. Uh, you have so I, I've played. Let's see how many how many games have you played with or against? Do you think uh, Velmorn at this point? Oh, let's see. So when when we got actual information and all of the cards. Skyler and I did a couple of vassal games. Mm-hmm. By a couple of vassal games, I mean he absolutely wiped the floor with me <laughs> in rivals against uh, the um, not Godsworn Hunt uh, Spirit Pack. Yep, Gnarl Spirit Pack. Gnarl Spirit Pack. Um, so I would say we did three games. And they were very short games because mm. that just <laughs> not not a fair leading matchup. Sure. Uh, so three there, and then I played another game since then, and then there was one more. So probably a total of five games. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm in the six or seven range, uh, either with or against. Uh, I I played as them several times. Uh, I played a best of three against them during the Vassal League. Uh, with uh, what I thought was a pretty well tuned up uh, uh, Grimwatch deck, uh, and they they took one game off me and then kept another one close. Uh, so that was that kind of made me kind of sit up a little bit and and pay attention a little bit more. Um, I ooh, I should know who the user was that I uh, played against, but uh, I'm going to I'm going to blank out on them for a little bit here. Might have been Jazz K83. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, Point being, uh, I, I played against somebody who had uh, kind of put a lot of thought into him, and it, it made me uh, realize there's a little bit more there than than um, than I had at first expected. Uh, I what I did not do, which I wish I had done, is uh, straight up steal his deck. But uh, I I, <laughs> <laughs> I took some tips when I was assembling mine. Uh, so uh, if I were to kind of hit some of the highlights of this highlights slash lowlights uh, by, by highlights. I mean, uh, some of the things that are chief in mind, uh, with this war band, uh, I would say the following and you can, uh, add or, or contest any of these as you, as you like, but, um, they have access to supports pretty easily with, uh, with the ability to get a command counter on your leader. And then all of a sudden everybody is supported. So anything that's talking about supports is, is pretty important, um, which unfortunately a lot of that stuff rotated out. Uh, the the loss of 
uh, of some of these stuff from, uh, especially the silent menace pack, uh, was kind of a, um, hurtful, hurtful loss. I think they would have benefited from a lot of those. Um, they have the ability to bring fighters back. We'll talk about whether it's worth investing in that track or not. Uh, it's, it's a challenging option. They have low accuracy, low, low to middling accuracy. Uh, they rely on crits to get inspired and even the inspiration for a number of them is of questionable importance. Like it, it doesn't, it's not bad, but it's not great. And then their speed is not great. They're all, they're all starting at speed three. So you kind of got a lot of things working against you, uh, when you're doing the build, uh, because you have a lot of spots to kind of make up for, um, I found the one advantage being, unlike other Death War bands, you're not guaranteed to immediately bleed glory, given that you don't have any two wound fighters. Um, so you're not immediately giving up kills uh, necessarily, depending on definitely so definitely something to consider when you're playing the Reapers. Mm-hmm. Pure Carnage is always a consideration in any deck I build with them. Yeah, well, and that's that's the thing with only a five fighter war band here. I was like, well, maybe I'd, you know, like I. I would take pure carnage with uh, uh, Garrick's Reavers, the five fighter war band, but they're they're in that suicide aggro thing. I, I don't know right. if these guys really fit that mold. They, they're just uh, kind of occupying that weird space. Uh, was there any like overall characteristics that you like as you approach the deck building that you were like, I need to keep this in mind? I think the biggest things that I kept in mind while I was deck building was first and foremost, I. I when I do any sort of deck building with any sort of warband is I try to take a look at what that warband wants to accomplish first and foremost. So I go through that warband's cards and use that as inspiration for, okay, here's, here's the overall play style that I want to play. Mm-hmm. And some warbands have flex. They, they have some cards that lean this way. They have some cards that lean that way. Others are overwhelmingly just this and only this. Um, And the thing with Velmorn that I was seeing was they really, 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 really (laughs) want you to come to them. Mm. At at least from from just a out-of-the-box standpoint. Uh, So they've got a, a, a couple, two glory end phase cards that are hold one or hold two and the one that's hold one is hold one in your territory and have two kills the other one is hold two and one of them is in your opponent's territory. It's uh, one of them is not in your territory, so it actually right. uh, will get by right. if so it's it in no neutral. Yep. Yep. Um, so the the overall avenue that I went with is that those two cards kind of pull away from each other. Mm. So having having Velmorn sitting on an objective in the backfield is not a bad idea, nor mm-hmm. is it unmanageable um but i tried to lean more into the castle up and punish invasion i figured with between uh tooth and claw and daring delvers we'll we'll see how the uh 
how the rest of the meta shapes up the rest of the season with uh i think there's not not castle but like there's a fortress one coming out yep we'll see how that totally disrupts these plans but um most of what's going on now seems to be invading aggro Mm -hmm. so my thought process going into building this deck was okay i'm gonna sit back and punish that Mm. because i'm gonna have extra supports i'm gonna have i don't want to overextend and just have like one fighter out there that's just like hey i was toward one of the the further up starting hexes so i can i can reach across the territory and and get there Mm. um especially with that move three so i figured you know what i'm gonna use that that extra breathing room that um another warband coming to me is going to afford me because if they take out the guy in the front oh no he was probably going to get got anyway um so using that first activation to activate velmorn get those supports built up have them come to me and then punish that that was uh that was what i was going for uh i like it uh you and i kind of identified a similar thing which is uh i I don't know about you but the first time i went through uh i i start not a hundred percent dissimilar to you but what i will do is i'll say all right i'm gonna start with surges uh and then from there i'll look at end phases and then i'll look at the two together and see if they work together okay um and i thought the surges were kind of hard to assemble but not not terrible and then i i ran into a brick wall on the end phases like it was really difficult uh, and I did the same thing as you. I noticed this, uh, the, the two ob- objectives, I think one is, uh, protected inheritance. And that is, uh, you have one objective in your territory and two or more enemy fighters are out of action. Uh, and then hereditary claims. And that's the one that's hold something in your territory and hold something that is not in your territory. Uh, and I, I felt like there was maybe enough positioning to try those. So, uh, while you, I think you, uh, did away with hereditary claims. You're like, I don't want to bother going out of my territory at all. It's like, I am willing to venture into, uh, no man's land. Um, that being said, like objective placement can make this pretty difficult. And also if you're signaling, like this is the objective I'm working towards, then, uh, you got probs, but right. Um, but yeah, uh, for for me, uh, as hard as surges were, uh, end phases were real difficult uh, uh, to assemble. I don't know if you encountered the same thing. Um, I did a little bit. Uh, so one of the things that was that I started off with, I actually started with tooth and claw, mm. uh, and then moved into daring delvers and here's here's why so i started off um i noticed that there was overlap uh so daring del or not daring delver excuse me tooth and claw has a uh card that is move or die Mm -hmm. and sons of elmorn have their own in faction card that has the exact same condition and it's everybody on your side has a mover charge token Yep. So that to me was was where I started. Now, is it the most cohesive train of thought? No, but it's <laughs> like, hey, I can have two single glory cards uh, predicated on the fact that all of my fighters 
did an activation. Yep. Now, that assumes that I'm going to have one fighter out of action right? Uh, in order and, to, to pull that off. And have it be the correct fighter because it's got to be the one that doesn't have a token, right? Right. And, you know, if over the course of it, I have four activations and four fighters. So if they go after one that's already been activated, that's a little bit of a bummer. Mm-hmm. But it's two of my cards on the same condition. Mm-hmm. Um, so just knowing that I'm going to be working towards that is, you know, like a sixth of my objective pool. Yeah. Pretty easy to accomplish. And yeah. so that's, that's where I went from there. But the more I got to thinking about it, the more I was finding that Tooth and Claw really wasn't wasn't doing as much for me as I was hoping. Yeah. So I actually pulled those cards out. I I set them to the side, and as I was looking through uh, Daring Delvers, I was like, okay, I could replace this surge with this, this surge with this, and I think those five cards I ultimately was able to find replacements for and then some like then some extra cards that were from daring delvers that i was like oh okay i would i would consider swapping other cards out for this and so that's that's when i made the switch yeah uh and we'll include phil's deck in here i i actually did the same thing i would known that i'd played against a sons of elmorn that was uh using daring delvers uh a player who was pretty confident that daring delvers was the way to go uh, but I felt like after having played against some um, uh, Tooth and Claw that I there were a few cards in there that made me say, like, this actually might be the deck that we need to go with. And uh, namely, those are, those are cards that add extra dice on attacks. Uh, and those are super important because you're looking for those crits to inspire, right? Um, and uh, I feel... St- stuck with tooth and claw, uh, with his, so we'll, we'll, uh, link that, but there's, uh, tooth and claw is carrying internal surrender, which is a, a gambit, which is a kind of crazy. It's uh, a permanent minus one defense dice plus one range one attack dice, uh, which is like upgrade level of ability, but sitting on a gambit. Um, and uh also has uh i think feral alteration which is a mutation no that's uh something gifted ferocity is what i'm thinking of the other mutation and that's plus one dice to range one those those uh two on their own make it worth sitting up and paying attention to tooth and claw with this warband if you think the inspiration is important um which it might be i mean it certainly helps your leader get more defensive so uh but you and I kind of ended up the same way. We both ended up uh, looking towards Daring Delvers. Josh, uh, when you were working through your uh, Warband, let's uh, let's kind of work through your deck, and then I will kind of interject with things that I, you know, if you if you got a card that I stuck with, uh, then I'll I'll say so. If there's something I thought of or that I thought was handy that. Uh, you kind of uh, took a pass on, and we'll we'll talk about that later too. Yeah, um, I I usually like to start with surges. Does that sound good with you, or? Yeah, that sounds good to me. All right. Uh, so the the surges that I ended up with early. So again, I I work through the warband deck first. So we've got 
the the ones that I ended up bringing from the uh, the warband itself were clinical efficiency mm-hmm. and relentless unity. All right. So clinical efficiency, uh, if I remember correctly, is the one that says if you did the exact right amount of damage or if you killed with a critical hit, uh, you get that. Uh, uh, yep. So it's it's kill with just enough damage or a critical hit. So, okay. And I figured since we were efficient for crits anyway, mm-hmm. might as well double down on that. Um, and, and Relentless Unity is, did you succeed in an attack that was supported or did somebody fail at, on an attack that was supported uh, as in a friendly support? Uh, correct. Crucially, uh, we, we talked initially about how like the supports were important uh, or they were uh, kind of freely available. And then uh, this is one that doesn't require a kill, which is always uh, pay attention, right? Absolutely. Um, and so from there, all of the other surges that I saw in there were either predicated on a kill or having the right card in my hand at the right time. Yeah. So those were, and and I mean, there was, sorry, there's one other one that is after an activation, if your leader is the only leader and i was like i have a bunch of move threes yeah and if i'm going up against a war band that wants to stay in their territory there's no way i am ever scoring that ever right there's Um, there's some matchups where that's going to happen for you there's other ones where it's just you're like it might as well be a dead card right right and then there's the uh, if you really wanted to, to go ham as Velmorn, you could double down on your leader getting a kill, but nah, he's he's too too critical to everything else to to have that. Yeah, it's tough. Like if you can get him inspired and out there he's on two block and that's pretty tanky, but not not the most in the world and uh, then you are all of a sudden trying to invest a bunch in his uh, you know, like it, it's just safer to keep him it's safer to keep them safe is the, is the, uh, the bottom line there. Right. Uh, uh, I was, I was very similar. I started with the same two surges. Uh, I had relentless unity for the non kill one. And then, uh, I, I lean more into like a, a I'm a more, a pure hold thing. And I, I'm going to say that's my, uh, my grim watch thinking, uh, kind of poisoning my brain a little bit. Um, but, uh, let's, Let's stick with where you're going here. So you've got two accounted for. What what's your next four? Um, how, how did you how did you uh, go looking for these? So the next four, um, I start again. I started off with tooth and claw, and I had two surges from there. One was toyed with, which mm. I figured with a bunch of uh, damage ones damage twos right off the rip that wouldn't be too hard to pull off yep um the other thing being that it you can also work your way around lethals so Mm. i figured that was kind of a like future thought like if i if I end up having trouble pulling that one off, that was yeah. one where I was like, okay, maybe I can bring a, a board that includes more lethals so that I have that extra bump of damage to get them vulnerable. Yeah. 
And toying with is uh it's a card in the tooth and claw, correct? Yes. Yep. Yep. Um so I ended up not having that because I, I went with daring delvers. So let's right. let's go through the rest of them. Yeah. Uh contest of equals. I hate this card so much. <laughs> I hate this card so so much. Not because it doesn't work, but because it is such a boring surge, and I wish there were better options. Yeah. But it just keeps creeping into my decks, just saying, hey man, surge pool's looking a little sparse. How you doing? Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> it keeps, it happens with, uh, I, I think you see it a ton in, uh, in combat decks that are, light on uh light on in-house surges right so right uh you're gonna go contest to equals if you expect because the thing is if you are just like trying to stand on objectives you're not making as many attacks but if you're making attacks and getting attacked back that's eight activations where this might potentially score right and uh, you know odds are it, it probably will uh and and the the tempo change of like scoring a surge on your opponent's activation is is pretty big like it lets you mm-hmm. cycle into something see something before you take your activation and you know kind of make a more informed choice uh on that so uh worth the restricted slot not super exciting but i i get you yeah, absolutely. So the the rest of them, sudden revelation. I figured I was going to be sitting back and I would have the ability to to rock these. Mm. Um, I it took me a little longer to actually commit to this card than normal with all of the uh, with all of the seasonal changes. Yeah, I I actually had to think about it. It was yeah. one where I knew that I was going to be sitting back and I was going to be on two tokens right because um because of protected inheritance you know i only need one but i need to need to have a backup Mm -hmm. um so i thought you know let's let's give it a go let's let's see how it how it plays in this season and if it ends up biting me that giving my opponent those re-rolls is uh is not the greatest thing in the world then we'll we'll see if we can find something else yeah and to be fair, like if you can get three, uh, I mean, like if everything, if everything lines up where you need to score, uh, protected inheritance and sudden revelation, if you can get yourself onto three feature tokens, then you can, uh, right. delve two of them and still have your one. And then you can kind of try and do it in the last power step so that you're, you're not carrying those, like you're not. You're not actually paying anything of a price, you know? Right. And there are some of the things that I included, uh, particularly, oh goodness, what's the card? Uh, Father's Pride. Uh, Are you talking about to go on guard, Imperious Will? Yep. Yep. So that was one where I was like, "Eh, okay, so even if I have a stagger token, Mm -hmm. right? I've got some things in here that I can work around that with. there's also a little bit of push tech in here that can work around it as well. So we've, uh, we've got some play. Yeah. Uh, so let's see, we've talked about contest that equals. We've talked about sudden revelation to two surges that people are really familiar with. There's uh two surges left to cover. 
Yep, so we covered clinical efficiency, we covered relentless unity, and then the last two are Brave the Root Maze and Sudden Demise. Mm. So Brave the Root Maze felt easy enough, because as you mentioned earlier, if everything lines up, I've got three on my side, and I'm going to want to be on those so that I can get Sudden Revelation and Protected Inheritance all in the same go, right? Yeah. Um, so being on three or more cover lethal or feature tokens just felt easy felt like a no-brainer yeah um and sudden demise i'll be honest this one was partially the sparse surge pool and parser partially excuse me partially a spite pick <laughs> because in uh skyler Mai's last game he was doing a Miari's Pingifiers. Mm. And man, I was I Harrow Deep and Nether Maze spoiled me. I forgot how bad four ping feels <laughs> over the course of a game, and one of those pings scoring a three damage kill was yeah. or excuse me, three glory kill yeah. was just so yep. I uh, I included this one because I wanted to be on the giving end of that. Yeah, <laughs> I I feel you when when Master Talon like crits versus crit uh, gets driven back into a lethal and then killed by a ping, and somebody still gets three glory after killing that total schlub. You're like, yep. man, this is not a good situation for me. Yep, yep. Uh, so. I actually did the same. I, I started with Sudden Demise, but I backed off of it uh, mostly because uh, including Sudden Demise puts a lot of pressure on your uh, Gambit section, right? Like if you are going to try and score Sudden Demise, you better have you better have two and maybe you need three. Um, maybe you need three uh, uh, Gambits that uh, will do that kind of chip damage, that ping damage. Um and anything anything less you gotta you gotta think real hard about it um yeah i think that's fair yeah i i you can try to sneak by with two that's a that's a tough and i think i think that might be what you're doing um but you're you're setting yourself up for uh for some games where the cards just don't come out in the right order and you end up with something breaking in your hand mm-hmm. um so you, you in those cases you have to be like real careful with uh, how you mulligan you know am i holding uh, am I holding sudden demise, but not any pings or am I holding pings without sudden demise? Um, and then, uh, uh think about how you're going to manage that. And it also, it's going to inform your board choices, right? Uh, because you can, you can kind of cheat it out with, uh, with a board that includes lethals. Right. Uh, all right. So those are the surges. Yep. Talk to me about end phases. Yeah. So end phases, I, I struggled a little bit like you did, um we already talked about protected inheritance and that one's a pretty pretty easy include given the way that i wanted to to go with this basically sit back and punish invade only needs to hold one objective in my territory and two enemy fighters are out of action i figure over the course of the game even if i'm up against a stormcast band where there's three of them but they are just 
chunky boys. Yeah. I figure that's worth sitting on between rounds two and three. So let's say I get it in round two, but don't score it in the second phase. Mm-hmm. Um, because the likelihood that they're going to be coming to me is pretty high. Yep. Uh, I don't, I haven't had enough time in this meta to really figure out whether or not that's going to be that way, but I don't think elite hold is going to be as, as big of a thing as it used to be. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a fun thing about being in a new season is like you're, you're making some guesses, some predictions about uh, where we're headed, but you don't know. Right. Uh, Right. So, so that was one. I didn't think two kills was too much to ask for. We'll see how uh, see how that actually shakes out. Yeah. Um, I, I I think that two kills. Uh, it used to be that two kills was like I will never take this because crushes are are a thing, right? Like right. Getting two kills on crushes is a third round, second round. If I'm super lucky. Uh, that feels like it's no longer the case. Like it feels a lot more doable. I think the harder piece on this is the keeping him out of your territory. Right. 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 Um, so let's see, let's just go down the line here. So I included path of death. Speaking of keeping people out of your territory. Yeah. Um, this was one where I figured that, biggest thing that i wanted to do was sit in my territory and punish invade if i could do that well enough this was going to score itself yep right yeah the only time that i think this is going to be a dead card and i'll take an occasional dead card that's worth three glory on good matchups any day Mm -hmm. uh is again in one of those elite hold scenarios yeah so where they they also want to be in their territory and they're harder to kill than i am yeah so from there uh plumbing the depths felt pretty easy Mm -hmm. um the only thing that i think that would conflict with is going to be sudden demise because if i only have one lethal and i want one of my fighters in that lethal yeah um so that's gonna going to kind of inform my board choice a little bit. Um, what I do like I, about plumbing the depths is that uh, you chose to spend a restricted on sudden revelation, which actually works okay with this because you're going to be flipping uh, somewhere in the course of the game. You'll be flipping one of those features into a cover uh, and that gives right. you kind of a, a double hit on this, right? Like, because this says a cover hex uh, to glory to have somebody in a cover hex, uh, a lethal hex, and on a feature token, but if you can get a feature token to also be the cover hex, then you can get double duty there. Yep. And uh, so with that, I'm thinking that I'm going to, I've got two boards in mind with this deck. One of them being um, the greenish nether maze uh, <laughs> board where it's got uh pretty much a, a pairing on left and right of a lethal and a cover hex and a lethal and a cover hex. And that's going to be if I don't get objectives so that I have more, more to play with there. Mm-hmm. And then if I do get objectives, I'm going to go with the, 
the triple lethal so that yeah. I've got more play for uh, sudden demise. So for, for those uh, people who really want the names, uh, the first one you talked about, the lethal with a cover, lethal with a cover is the tortured coil. And the triple lethal is the ultimatum engines. Yep. So those are those are boards that I've got in mind with with those objectives. Mm. Uh, next up, speaking of board choices, uh, shifting walls. Yeah. Uh, this so... was another one where I don't love it, especially in yeah. a WTC format or any sort of uh, best of three because. Right. Anything All open deck or fighter. right. Exactly. Once, yeah. once, once people sort it out, but I'll, I'll say this, like I, I was looking at this a little more strongly. You've always been, I think a little bit more warm to this card than, than I have. Like, I think we, I think you even included it in your WTC deck uh, for a little while. And we, we worked really hard to talk you out of it. Uh, I think it's, I think it's better than I give it credit for uh, if only because it puts additional pressure on people uh, especially since nowadays, uh, you know, ever since, ever since the post diarchasm era, uh, there, there are no longer feature tokens in the edges. Uh, so people, right. people are not spending as much time in the edge hexes and with the uh, board selection being, uh, what it is, you can often pick boards where this is a little bit more challenging. Uh, so I, I think this is not a terrible choice, but I think it is a sign of, uh, where this war band is at, where you're like, you know what? I think shifting walls, I think shifting walls might have some play, you know, right. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, like that, you, you know, you're, you know, you're working up against it if you're, if you're looking at those, but. And the, uh, I think the only reason I was in, I was thinking about it for the WTC, just so our, our listeners don't think I'm a, a total goof was <laughs> I was playing, uh, Kanan's Reapers as a choke build. Uh, so I had just enough passive glory to where against most aggro bands, I was going to out passive them, mm-hmm. but not so much that I was going to go up against a, a hold war band and have a prayer right. so that I had the upper hand and I was going to sit as far back in my territory as I can and just mm-hmm. make you come to me and then punish it. Right. So the the idea there with including shifting walls was okay i'm gonna make you come to me and if you're willing to spend one of your precious activations being in an edge hex Mm -hmm. on top of trying to get to me more tower more power to you bud go ahead and block that two glory for me while i sit back and do the rest yeah fair how many how many of the end phases are we through here we got uh so we've got one, two, three. We've gotten through four. Uh, so we've got two more. So next up on the list is Morbid Majesty. Mm. I went kind of back and forth on this one. I, after some of the games I've had, it it wasn't it didn't feel good to rely on having three fighters alive and inspired. <laughs> right. Right. Now. If they pop off early, you can have there's there's push tech in here, and there are some some ideals where you get that that uh, crack the top off of that can of whoop ass early. <laughs> but it's it's real niche. So yeah. if you can get this card early, it's it's great. It's a little harder to pull off towards the end of round two, round three. 
Yeah. But I figured with a little bit of a little bit of luck, we might yeah. be able to pull that off. It, yeah, it's funny. So I, I actually included this as well. So Morbid Majesty is scored in an end phase if three or more of your surviving friendly fighters are inspired. Uh, I leaned more into the resurrection mechanic than you did. And mm-hmm. that is that we'll talk a little bit more later about whether that is or is not a mistake. Uh, me being my idea being like, if you can get one crit and you're supported by the boss, then you're at two. And then the, uh, they have a reaction at the end of a round. If, uh, you can pick one of the brothers who's not inspired and inspire them. And so this, this feels like a, I was like, man, sometimes it's just going to be like two glory. That is just like, right. I rolled a crit sometime in the round. That being said, after having played the war band a couple times, I was like, this is not good. Uh, cause it's, it's even more relying on the crits, which I can't find anyway. Um, but if you can find your support for them, then I think this is, I think this is solid. I think this is solid if you are, are, uh, helping yourself out on the way to getting crits and also, uh, finding a way to bring back fighters. Cause you may, you may inspire a fighter and then lose that fighter. But if you can bring that fighter back, uh, then this, this has some more play. Right. And if it helps. I know exactly what card I will replace this with if it consistently <laughs> if it consistently bricks for me. A do tell. Uh, it's oh goodness. Of course, now that I say that, I'm struggling to think of the name of it. It's got Kixie Taka, Trace the Leylines. Oh that's, sure, yeah, that's I, a good that's a good call. Absolutely, that's getting swapped out for Trace as soon as this consistently bricks. Yep. Which it, it's probably spoiler, going. To. Spoiler alert! It probably will. <laughs> it probably will. But um, and All then right. the last one. I think you went vying for think, favor, which is a bold choice. Yes. It's a it's a one glory uh, end phase score. This in an end phase if each surviving friendly fighter has one or more move and or charge tokens. Uh, essentially, without without help from your opponent, it is unscorable in the first round. Uh, but potentially very easily scorable in later rounds. Yep, and that was uh, that was essentially the trade-off. Um, was hey, we start with five five fighters. Um, I even for a moment I considered bringing a little bit more card tech uh, to give myself some actions that mm-hmm. would uh, not necessarily actions, but some some out of sequence mover charge tokens. Yeah. Um, but you don't want to, you don't want to be chasing, you don't want to be chasing like, right. For uh, one glory. Exactly. A a one glory end phase is not enough to like build around. So, and when I was thinking that it was a lot more for the, for the double up when I was going tooth and claw and I had essentially two of this card. Yeah. 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 No, that makes sense. But, yeah, for one one single one glory card, not not worth specking into. Mm-hmm. And those are uh, those are my objectives. All right, uh, I will I will briefly skim mine. I I did uh, go with the House Eternal. I went with all the possible. Uh, so for my surge, I I had all the possible resurrection, uh, and then I leaned a little bit more into tr- attempting to hold in enemy territory, but I think your, your build is more cohesive, uh, as far as like what it's trying to do. So I think we're going to focus on that a little bit more. Uh, I'll continue to kind of pitch in with like some of my thought process on, uh, uh, you know, things that I was considering, but, uh, 
let's uh let's keep on yours here uh we, do you want to do you want to touch real quick on the uh resurrection conundrum or did you want to wait until no i think this is a great time to do it that, that's a good point so uh th- this is where we're at kind of the bridge between the two right so like uh i decided that i was going to go into the resurrection mechanic because i was trying to make sure that i held a number of objectives and i was like well if i run out of people that's going to be a problem so i want to be able to bring them back uh, and again i'm i'm coming from like the grimwatch perspective uh which is uh you know i i i want to have i want to be able to hold all the stuff um and uh so i, I was still kind of thinking along those lines um it, they have a surge which seems real powerful like if you just happen to uh resurrect somebody then you're good to go um but the the problem is that uh you need specific card support so if you're going to do it they only have one gambit in faction that helps which means that you're going to spell one of your restricted on partial resurrection which only works if your leader is alive and it brings somebody back on one health and then there's an upgrade that that may also help um you correctly, we were, we were kind of chatting about this. You correctly identified a reason why, like this, there, there's, uh, there's actually a, a problem with this, right? Right. Um, so the the problem that I noticed with that, um, kind of uniquely to this this meta that we're currently in, is there is a lot of paying out there right now. Yeah. And so even if you're, because let's see, you've got. If we go through your deck, we've got two gambits that can bring them back, and then and the crowd's curse. Yeah. So if we're looking at ideals, right? So everything goes according to plan, cards align exactly the way they're supposed to align. You've got four resurrections there. Yeah. Each one of those is at four health, and. <laughs> excuse me, each one of those is at one health yeah. and there are easily four or more ping cards that yeah. somebody could reasonably bring in one of their decks. Right. Um, I know Skyler's got at least four in his Mayari's deck that we played not too long ago mm. and bringing a fighter back just to have it pinged down would be an absolute feel bad. <laughs> um, now, granted, as I'm thinking through what cards those are, not many of them can be used to nab a fighter on a starting hex. Because um, I'm just thinking we've got Lethal Ward, there's uh, Suffocating Mist, and unless you've done some setup early, those aren't going to be where your fighter is. And then what else do we've got here? Uh, a little more uh, relevant is Grasping Root Grave and Quick Roots. If somebody's decided also to go uh, Daring Delvers, right. uh, Grasping Root Grave makes a ton of the board very dangerous at the end of the round. And then Quick right. Roots says that, hey, did you bring yourself back on one health? Uh, well, then you better not make a move or a charge because yeah, I'm going to kill absolutely. you. Yeah, yep. you're, you're going to get to do that one thing and then you're going to be dead again. So while it's not going to be an insta-dead, like, hey, you brought your fighter back, be a shame if something happened to him. Yeah. Um, 
it's going to be a very short-lived, almost single activation economy. Yeah. Um, because typically when you bring somebody back, you're going to want to get a charge off. You're going to want to get them onto an objective towards the end, or at least try to get somebody off of an objective. Yeah. And that's just, all of those are situations where ping has some sort of response. Right. So that was why I didn't spec into it because I looked at the all the ping that's out there and was just like, Mm-mm. I play nope. uh, I play Kanan's Reapers as a main. I know what feeding looks like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. So I, I think that's uh, I think there's like an essential tension in this warband. Like, are you going to go resurrection? If you are, you got to kind of. Well, my my supposition is you should probably go all in. Uh, certainly if you're going to take the objective, uh, curiously though, like you, like, let's talk about your gambits because you, uh, you went with, you took partial resurrection. Um, you did not take the in faction resurrect. Um, tell me a little bit more about that, how you ended up there, uh, and, and why you think it's okay to kind of split the difference. So the reason I went that way, uh, partial resurrection does does have a few more conditions on it but the in faction if i'm not mistaken and i'll i'll look here real quick just to make sure that i'm not sticking my foot in my mouth here oh okay so that was a mistake on my part uh so i actually thought rise again was conditional on graveguard mm. so the reason i incru- included partial resurrection hmm. knowing that that was an incorrect assumption on my part. I might actually swap that out and use that restricted slot a little more wisely. Use it somewhere else. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, so that was an incorrect assumption on my part. I will. I will probably make that swap. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's not. It's not a, a outrageous thing to think. Like there, there are a number of cards that I've been surprised right. that like, oh, like this doesn't actually, uh, and that being one of them, the uh, rise again. Uh, you can actually bring back uh, any fighter. It doesn't have to be a grave guard. Um, and that's uh, surprisingly significant given that uh, the crown's curse uh, is restricted to only grave guard. Like he, he won't bring his illegitimate son back. Cool. Uh, well, I gotcha. There, yeah. That's where my crossover was. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's the reason I didn't include it. Now I've probably got an extra restricted slot there that I've got some play with, but uh, we'll see what yeah. I actually spend that on. All right. Uh, let's keep working down your gambits, though. Yeah, so let's see here. We've got right at the top, I've got center of attention. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of two, I think, two push cards that I've got in here. Yeah. Um, and I figured that was the the best spend on it because I'm not just going to want to push one or two. I'm going to want to clump people up and get as many supports going as I can. Uh, and it's it's just got so much play. And normally I don't want to push away from somebody. Yeah. So that's that's where I've got that going. So I like this for two uh, yeah. reasons. One, one is the one you mentioned where like you can really stack, uh, you can 
attack supports this way. Like you can say like, I'm about to make a high value attack and I am going to make sure that as many people as I can are going to get inspired off of this. Um, or it's very disruptive. If, if you're playing against somebody who's like, I'm actually comfortable sitting in my backfield. Uh, center of attention is one of the few cards that can pull more than one person off their objective or feature token or whatever at a time. Right. Um, and so uh, for that reason, uh, those are, yeah, those are, those are pretty legit. So. Yeah. Uh, next up, because we already talked about partial resurrection, I've got unfair fight. Uh, this I included to uh, give rerolls and stagger. Mm -hmm. um, Grievous is baked into most of their profiles, so I figured, yay, if I rolled crits, awesome. Yep. Um, that's going to be an extra two damage total. Yep. Um, but that was just kind of the icing on the cake. Staggering and being able to uh, potentially punish uh, somebody's ability to delve if they're just camping out on a spot and you know sure. that they want to be on objectives. Yep. Cool. Not going to flip that token. Yep. Um, and then next up, I've got Deadly Maneuver. This is the other push that I've got. Uh, just the ability to push an extra uh, fighter into the fray and have an extra support in there possibly get them inspired kind of thing yeah so this uh, is a reaction play this during a friendly fighter's attack action uh after the declare attack action step when you uh when you do you can remove one command counter so you do have to have well you have the option of having one if you don't have the command counter or don't want to spend it you can push another fighter one hex uh and if you do want to spend it then you can push another fighter three hexes and there's no restriction on this so uh this is at worst uh, a sidestep that is gated behind an attack um and at best if you have a command counter that you're willing to spend uh then it is a, a three hex push which is pretty tremendous like you can you can make a lot of ground with that so right and that was my thought with it if i'm spending a command counter that's essentially trading a support for an actual physical support yeah um, which depending upon where you're pushing that fighter could be a pretty easy trade sure um, and especially if they're like somebody wasn't charged yet because you're gonna say like i'm gonna push this fighter uh deep in enemy territory and uh based off that i am going to uh like then be able to charge somebody that they thought was uh safe because uh, a push three coupled with a move three, like that's doubling the the threat range on a on a fighter. Absolutely. Yeah. And now, um, now that I'm actually thinking about it, it's still it's comboing a card with a card, which is never really a good mentality <laughs> to get into. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in this case, the card is actually interesting enough to have that play. Um, gosh. Give me a moment just to think of it. Sure. Um, blind gamble. So if you oh. get deadly maneuver oh, onto man. onto an objective, you have a a charge go off. You've got a supported charge go off, and now you are teed up with potentially a fighter that hasn't had a move token on them. 
ready and waiting for an out-of-sequence attack action to follow up whatever mess is left behind. Yeah, man. Yeah, uh, like you, that that's uh, because you're getting onto that spot. Yeah, you're right. Card, card, card plus card equals jank. But uh, <laughs> but there's there's uh, there's maybe something there. So right. I mean, but again, it's it's not like you'd be including uh, you're including that card just for the sake of including that card and hoping the combo goes off. Sure. But if they do, you know, it's it's that extra bit of nice. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we worked our way past deadly maneuver. Uh, talk to me about uh, Father's Pride. I think is the next one down in your list. Absolutely. So this reaction is uh, play this after a friendly fighter's successful attack action. Give your leader one command counter, then push your leader up to one hex. Uh, this one was as I was looking through the warband cards. This one was where. I'm sure there are going to be times where I don't want to activate mm-hmm. uh, Velmorn first, or I've activated him and now he's out of position. Mm-hmm. So I included this one so that I had some play in repositioning him. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is sometimes I did include a decent amount of tech that consumes command counters. Uh, so having something to give him one as well was another another thought behind that. Yeah, I, I like that. I, th- this one is uh, it's not great early, right? Because like their accuracy is pretty low. Uh, but if you can, it, it actually pairs well with your uh, with one that's a little further down, redoubled fervor, which is uh, a kind of a classic death one, which is uh, uh, react uh, after a failed attack, attack again. Uh, you can spend uh, a command token for an extra dice. Um, and so you're more likely to like succeed on that repeat and then get your command counter back. Absolutely. Uh, and speaking of tech like that, uh, right behind it is Imperious Will. Give your leader mm-hmm. one command counter and one guard token. Yeah. Uh, not only was this an include because of the command counter and, and having that economy baked into this, but the guard token in this meta and in this deck it it serves double duty right mm. so if he's yep. inspired being on guard is just that much better yeah but on top of that if he's had to delve whether it's to accomplish plumbing the depths or sudden revelation or yep. anything like that yep Having that guard token in hand and being able to just wipe away that uh, that uh, stagger, stagger token. token. There yep. it is. Yep. Had it. Uh, so being able to wipe away that stagger token at will is just gold. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then we talked about redoubled fervor. Uh, so if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. <laughs> And yeah, then, yeah uh, I mean, we, solid, we solid all the way through. Um, uh, and then I think your last three are all pings. So Velmorn's Curse is like, did you take somebody out? Uh, Correct. And if they're adjacent, ping one damage back. It's uh, it's uh, of the three pings that you have, it is uh, the least powerful. But uh, And the, the game I just played with Skylar... Uh, I had it in my hand longer than I was comfortable with. Yeah. 
because with uh, Miaris, he's got only one fighter that is restricted to being adjacent. Hmm. And I don't think he did it on purpose, but he did keep me out of arm's reach. And I think there were three kills, one of which was with his archer, and the other two were with ping cards. And I was like, you know what? Be real great if I could could return this favor, but you've chosen to keep me at arm's length. This is dope. <laughs> Grasping root grave. I'm, I'm dubious about this one. I oh, feel like man. this is going to end up punishing me more <laughs> than it punishes my opponent. Um, but I included it just, just on the off chance that it it worked for sudden demise, mm-hmm. um, because I figured the there is some play around it. But having essentially a, a minefield of lethals that are ready to go off at the end of a uh, at the end of a round is just too good to pass up. Yeah, but I don't know it 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 may end up biting me, but that's a lesson I need to learn. Sure, sure. Uh, I I played it. I played it in my uh silly uh gerzag uh uh daring delvers build mm-hmm. and uh I, against alex i actually had the good fortune where uh i had one round where i killed two fighters two enemy fighters in one uh and it was just one of the things where like in a nemesis situation where you're where you're damage limited uh you know sometimes that that one more is is pretty big deal and then uh also uh, if you are someone who's placing those additional tokens down, uh, the feature tokens, the available features, mm-hmm. uh, right. you can you can kind of engineer this a little bit better than uh, otherwise. Um, I did. I also had a, a game where I used this card, but it was with a it was with an exile dead deck, mm. and I think that has more play because typically those fighters are either dead or they're not. Um, so not as much of a concern for it to be like, oh, well, I just wiped half of my warband because they were fighting till the end and didn't have much left in the tank and I finished them off. They're just, they're either full health or they're gone. So taking a damage isn't exactly the worst thing in the world. Right. Yep. It's a fair point. And then, uh, last but not least, we've got uh, quick roots here, uh, yeah. and that's just did you move or charge? Do yeah, you damage. Super strong. Um, mm-hmm. One one of the best pings out there right now. So, uh, and that launches into your upgrades. Uh, talk to me about your general philosophy on your upgrades here. Like you, we we've defined you as a uh, counterpunch, which is uh, a, a build. Uh, archetype that I know that you're uh, amenable to in general. Absolutely. Uh, we, we've talked about uh, you're going to hold in your territory. You're going to hit people that try to come in there. Uh, you would like to inspire. You have a little bit of help with ping. Uh, and so how do you supplement that? Like you're, you're, what, what things are you trying to solve with your upgrades here? Absolutely. So the, the biggest thing that 
I try to, when I'm building a counterpunch warband, is I try to make attack actions count. I'm not going to be an aggro warband where I'm going to win by just sheer number of attacks. Mm -hmm. These are going to have to be at the right place at the right time. Um, so having attack actions that don't go off mm -hmm. aren't going to be very good. Uh, so it's a combination of damage and accuracy. Mm -hmm. uh, so starting on that note, I've got Great Strength and Heirloom Weapon, which are both just plus pl eh, easy for me to say, <laughs> which are both plus one damage right. uh, to range one and two attacks. Um, actually, let me look at Heirloom Weapon. Yep, it's range one and two. Uh, yep. And then uh, next up, because we want to be fishing for crits, um, I actually... For a moment there, I had a Ferocious Bite in here. Mm. But then I got to thinking, you know what's better than one additional die? Tell me. What, two what's additional than one? die. <laughs> yep. And there just so happened to be two upgrade cards that are attack action upgrades that are rolling four dice. Yep. Uh, so we've got Cursed Boarding Axe and Cursed Boarding Pike. Mm -hmm. Uh. They're not fantastic in the damage department, uh, but what they do is instead of the base fighters that have two dice looking for swords and they have Grievous at damage one, they have four dice looking for swords and damage two, taking Grievous completely out of the equation. Right. Uh, so... Fishing for crits, rolling four dice is pretty great. The only downside is that uh, unless they're on a feature token, the glory is spent, uh, which has the potential to gimp your your snowball as you go forward. Yeah. But I figured I was going to be putting this on somebody who was trying to inspire, so that that trade off was a little easier to stomach. Yeah, I think these are I think these are great pickups. Like they're they're a straight upgrade if you're uninspired, and it's very likely that all the way to the end of the game you're gonna have somebody who's uninspired. Um, you know, unless you take ferocious casualties early on. But even with your partial resurrection, you might be like bringing back the one guy who wasn't inspired, and then this gets that person back in the mix. Uh, getting the ability to inspire uh, online uh, helps with. Getting your leader inspired, which increases your uh, defensiveness, and then uh, helps with that. Uh, is it morbid majesty? Is that the one that's uh, three, three inspired for two glory? Yes. Um, so, so not just output, but like helping with a specific objective is uh, is uh, a doubly a reason to include these. So I'm, I'm and, down. Uh, I would also, I also want to kind of put out there right now. I think cursed boarding pike and other range two plus upgrades are huge in this meta oh uh, yeah particularly with the changes to uh move and charge yep being able to have more attack coverage when you've charged out is going to be way helpful yeah get get ready for some of these range two attack options to be uh restricted is my is my prediction uh, i i think so too 
and and I'm saying that purely on like the the bitter <laughs> the what sour grapes the sour grapes of my uh, my recent defeat at the hands of Gore Chosen, where uh, Gore Hulk was was uh, as as depicted on the card, uh, spearing people with his boarding pike uh, left and right, which is just you love to see it. Yeah, I I didn't at the time, but but in retrospect, uh, I can I can warm up to it a little bit. Yeah, you know, good for you, good for you, Gorholk. Uh, All right. So next up, I've got Honed Instincts. Uh, yes, Honed Instincts. This, this was when I I thought of this the second I started building. This was not a Eh, I've got something to accomplish. Like, I want to include Hone Instincts. This was, yeah. oh my god, you know what this warband would love? An almost automatic success. Yeah. On one of their upgrades. Can can I uh, can I tell you like when I was excited about this episode, uh, I also had a card in mind, and uh, it's an upgrade that gives you an extra glory if. Uh, if you are supporting, you put it on a fighter and that fighter is supporting uh, an attack that kills somebody, you get an extra glory. I was like, that is amazing. Like I, I, I cracked this war band. I'm going to put it on Vilmorn. He's going to be supporting everybody. Every time I get a kill, I'm getting extra glory. Uh-oh. And then I, I searched up and down, up and down. I'm like, I can't find it. Like what's, what's going on? Like I, I know that I just lost super bad to a war band that was using this, uh, the war band that was using this, uh was an order war band because guess what i'm thinking ah, of shared shared glory yeah <laughs> yeah oh no i know it hurts it hurts me real bad uh <laughs> <laughs> uh so i had this whole idea that i was going to build a war, uh build a velmore build around shared glory only to realize that it was restricted to order which maybe maybe somebody foresaw um Yep. But uh, but you you did it better than me. You figured out a, uh, a an upgrade that uh, leaned into the uh, support mechanic and was not restricted to a grand alliance that is not involved. Um, but your next your next upgrade is uh, kind of wild to me. Talk to me about reflecting mask. So reflecting mask, I I included this one first. Because, first, define it for me. Yeah. So reflecting yep. mask has a reaction baked into it. After an activation step in which this fighter was dealt damage by an enemy fighter's range 1 or range 2 action, deal 2 damage to that enemy fighter, then break this card. Mm. My thought behind this one was I was probably going to put it on Velmorn himself Mm -hmm. or Jedrin. Yep. And those two were, for most scenarios, going to be my, uh, my objective holders. So I wanted to have this card for them to disincentivize attacking them. Like, sure, if yep. you really want to gun for them, you really want to do that damage, you had better commit to that bit and either kill them outright yep. or be willing to soak those two damage as as punishment. That makes sense. Um, it's a tough one. So, you know, for me where I've like leaned into the resurrection mechanic uh because of the way this works uh, so it has to be after an activation step uh the fighter it's attached to has to still be alive in order to trigger this right uh, and so because i leaned into resurrection a little bit more often i was going to be like uh 
you know, I'm pretty frequently going to have fighters that are not alive to be able to trigger this. Um, but, uh, but I like the idea of like making it less interesting or like making it a much tougher trade-off, you know, to bomb somebody in to hit your leader, uh, and then, uh, potentially make themselves vulnerable or just kill themselves outright. So pretty good. And honestly, I'm, I'm a little, a little surprised that this didn't see an R. Mm. Um, not because it's just inherently broken across the board, but because I know that the the devs have been kind of trying to keep big fighters in check, and this is absolutely a big fighter card. Yeah, this that's is, actually a really good point. Like this, this is goes this on is, your Mologs, yeah. this goes on your Canons, this goes on your uh, Rothgorns. Yeah, and now not only do you have to chew through six plus health, but part of chewing through that six plus health is taking damage yourself. Yep. So a little, little surprised. I, I don't think it deserves it across the board. Um, and with as restrictive as they've been on some of the other tech, it's a little less painful, but still, still a little surprised. Sure. Yeah. Um, next up, I've got favored son, another, uh, another defensive upgrade uh, because I don't have as much uh, revive tech as you've got. I didn't spec as heavily into it, so keeping yep. them alive in the first place is a lot more <laughs> is a lot more helpful. Uh, so yeah. Plus one defense while your leader is surviving. Yeah. It incentivizes killing my leader a little bit, but yep. he's also on two shields. So like you're either chewing through two shields or you're chewing through two shields. So yep. take your pick. And, and to be fair, even with all my revive tech, I still took this because, uh, once you are coming back on one health and then again, we talked about the, like the risk in the ping meta that you might just get killed without your defense characteristics being involved. Uh, right. but it's, uh, for me being on like two block is kind of like the glissette situation, right? Like she, <laughs> she, she has uh low enough health that you should be able to one shot her, but her defense characteristics are good enough that like, she's not a, an attractive target to right. uh, go after. And then once you get somebody up to two block, uh, potentially the support, they're basically a glissette. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's all I've got on that one. That's a, uh, it's, it's good to have. Yep. So, Next up, we've got Lord of Bones. So this one's this one's kind of fun. And yeah, I want to talk I, about this a little bit more because I uh, I found this to be more powerful than I realized when it was played against me, and I was like, oh my god, uh, this is this is uh, causing me problems. So uh, I I uh, have read the, read this card off yeah, to me. I'll and read then, the card uh, off first. So yep. first, it's a it's a reaction. Yep. So after this fighter's deadly command reaction. Push each friendly grave guard. Oh, each friendly grave guard. Hell yeah. Each. I missed the <laughs> each, and I thought this was awesome. So push each friendly grave guard up to one hex towards the enemy fighter closest to this fighter. So I'm going to break that down a little bit. Uh, so when your leader, Velmorn, is activated, and he's able to use his deadly command reaction, which is always now with the the new rules yeah uh you get to push up to three of your fighters one hex towards the enemy fighter that is closest to velmorn so it's essentially a collapse mechanic yeah 
get get to the fighter that is closest to me. Yeah. And I did not read the each. I thought it was one. Yeah. And I thought I still thought that was powerful. Yeah. Um, and the comment I was going to make before Davey pointed me in the right direction and said, hey, maybe read the card so they can follow along <laughs> was I have two cards in mind already that are upgrades that give him uh, action economy, basically things to do with his activation that I'm just kind of holding on to because I wasn't quite sure if it was worth it. But now that I read each holy smokes well yeah and uh you say it's a collapse mechanic so like if somebody's coming after velmorn you can start bringing people in tight on him but uh if somebody's sitting back all of a sudden you get to like push a whole bunch of people forward like Absolutely. there's so much flexibility and this is this is what i encountered uh because uh, you can trigger this multiple times per round like i i have thought about this as like uh mm-hmm. yeah you get to do this once but like if velmorn moves and then goes on guard uh, he starts racking up extra command counters, uh, and you've pushed all your other fighters. Oh, not all your everybody, everybody. Sir Jedrin, sorry, bro. Um, <laughs> get gets to bump uh, two if you are uh, triggering this, and uh, it is uh, it is a surprisingly flexible card. I if you are a Vilmore player and you have not tried this one out, I strongly encourage you. Like I was very impressed uh, at what my opponent was able to do with this. Um, I think this is a low key, very good card. Reading, reading that each was clutch for me. <laughs> uh, in my last game, I found myself moving Velmorn off of an objective and moving him back so that mm. I could move two different fighters and just give them a push. Yep. Um, because he had already had a guard token on him. Oh, okay. So I, I couldn't just use an activation that way. Yep. But now knowing that it's oh my gosh! <laughs> all right, all right, we're in business it, now. It's very rare that not reading the card is is a benefit, right? <laughs> like you read the card and you're like, ah, oh, you know, that's pretty nice. And then there's that cherry on top. Usually, it's the oh, it doesn't work the way I thought it did. Yeah, bummer. This is uh, this is one of those rare times where it works out. I dig it. And then next, I included the Conqueror's Circlet. Uh, so that is plus one move, and each other friendly fighter's move characteristic is equal to this fighter's move characteristic. And I included this because plus one move across your warband is so dope. Yeah, especially with a warband like this where you're really protecting the leader. Like there, there's some warbands where like the leader may come and may go that sort of thing but like this this is a huge uh pickup for this warband i'm i'm on board 100 percent. absolutely and then i included prospector as well uh this fighter is an explorer not really something i cared about too much in this but the reaction here after this fighter's activation, place one available feature token within one hex of this fighter. Then give this fighter one charge token. Yep. I figured at best, this is probably going to happen once, maybe twice per game. Yep. But since I've got cards in my hand like Plumbing the Depths or Sudden Revelation or, or things like Bra- that. Brave the Root Maze. 
Right. Or Brave yeah. the Root Maze, cards like that, where it's like, eh, okay, I, I need more tokens available, especially if like my opponent is invading aggro and doing it way too well. Um, having that extra token that I can put immediately under me or immediately under another fighter um, is just good to have. Yeah, I, I am on board and I like it for our callback to our community shout outs uh underdog certainty of death salute to you sir it's a good card <laughs> all right so that that just about wraps the decks that i made yeah uh so kind of chipped in along the way um but uh the, the deck i put together leaned much more heavily into the uh into the daring delvers mechanics like there's I, i'm trying to score uh, some off of the explorers, um, off of the exploration tokens sort of thing. Uh, mostly off of how some of those surges can be kind of uh, fluid if you are putting things together in the right way. Uh, I'm doing a little bit more with uh, resurrection and uh, probably ping is going to make me regret that terribly. Uh, but uh, I, I thought the deck had, uh, I thought the deck had legs with uh uh, my opponent and so I, I tried putting some together similar uh, and we'll include those in there uh phil put together something very different um which was very uh aggro leaning into uh i'm going to increase dice i'm going to increase the ability to get grievous uh and in typical phil fashion it is a 11 11 gambits and upgrades uh i i think the man can't quite decide what that last one to cut is um but uh all those are going to be available in the show notes uh, for anyone who wants to take a look. I, I, I'm I actually kind of surprised that I didn't do that myself on this one, going the 11 and 11 route. Oh. I don't entirely hate that when when I wouldn't take it to a tournament, per se. Yeah. But I don't mind an 11 11 or a 12 and 12 even if you're not sure what to cut. Mm, interesting because you want to I, test some things out if you're right. just yeah. test some things out and i'd rather not something sit on the bench and wish that i had it sure i would rather know that that's in my deck and at the end flip through to the bottom of my deck and think oh god i would have much rather had this pop up mm. i was sitting on this card for two three rounds and it never did me any good and i thought it was going to help but sure. this that was in the bottom of my deck that never saw the light of day, God, I wish that was there. Yeah, and it's Fair just enough. a lot more, a lot more present. That makes sense. Uh, all right, we've worked through an entire deck. We worked through a lot of the pros and cons of the Sons of Elmorn. Uh, I what what we're really hoping here is that if you are somebody who really wants to run this warband, we've given you the spark that you need to uh get started like like i you know if you if you want to get going with this uh crew uh here's some starting things if you are already that person who has been you know carrying the banner for these guys uh send us uh send us a message send us an email uh, get on our discord let us know and we'd love to hear from you and we will share your build with the greater world if if it's not so uber duper secret that you can't uh share it around um but uh but be brotherly right like <laughs> yeah get it out there I, I think these guys are um 
not as much in the limelight. And uh, I'd love to see somebody championing this warband because uh, their models are dope. I definitely agree. And yep. I, I have to admit, it's partially out of spite. And it's partially a, I'm going to make you love me. <laughs> I am I am already painting these models. Attaboy. I'm probably going to regret it. Yep. But they're such good models and I can't I can't help myself. Yeah, that's fair. I get you. Uh they they are gorgeous. Um all right, Josh, do you have any last thoughts about the Sons of Ilmorm before we start to wrap this episode up? I would really, really love to hear from the design team <laughs> on why they made certain decisions. Not because I, I th- not because I think that they're inherently bad, but I I would love to figure out where the headspace was on this one. Yeah. Especially when comparing it to the Gnarl Spirit pack. It yeah. just feels so tilted in one direction and i wonder why they felt it necessary to make that tilt i'm gonna say i'm i'm with your earlier comments like your comments at the top of the episode this feels like a warband that was like a little too powerful during playtesting and then late in playtesting they made some changes to like like we gotta we gotta bring them back a little bit and then before you had time to test all those out uh, you, you accidentally, um, pulled them down a little bit too hard. That that's my, that's my take in the developer's defense though. I know that it's been, the joke has been made several times before, uh, Velmorn was released and understood that, you know, it would just be really cool if the devs put out one death war band that wasn't quite a tier into S tier. Yeah. And well, here it bill, is. The bill comes due. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot to be rewarded for players that want to like champion this war band. I, I think you're going to find, uh, you know, just like, uh, was it Chad that uh, is running the cunning crew, you know, to, to great success. I, I think there's maybe enough here that uh, somebody who wants to put the reps in is going to uh, carve themselves out of niche as the, the terror of the tables uh, with uh, the sons of Elborn. Um, I don't think they're a lost cause in the way that some other war bands are. Uh, so I, I'm looking forward to seeing if somebody can, uh, uh, really, really take off with them. And, and if we provided that spark for you, then, you know, yay us. So, <laughs> uh, but with that, we're going to do our outro here. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us and please do, uh, tell us your thoughts about the sons of Elmore. Give us your builds, give us that, uh, secret tech that we've overlooked, uh, let us know at, at WTHcast on Twitter, whatthehexcast at gmail.com, or come join our Discord. I will include a link to our Discord in the show notes, which I've not always done in the past, but it'll be there for you. Um, you can check out this episode or any of our previous episodes on themortalrealms.com. Uh, that is our website that is the hub for everything on the Mortal Realms network. Thanks to the Mortal Realms for hosting us. That's uh, uh, where you can catch a number of podcasts uh, related to Age of Sigmar. Uh, coming up next, uh, we are we we know from the uh, roadmap that uh, sometime in I think uh, December we should be experiencing another warband. Uh, 
I think we probably have a little time in between that and then, depending on when in December we may have one or two episodes uh, before that happens. Uh, we're we're uh, going to keep it open. We're going to keep it fluid. Uh, we may talk about uh, running local leagues. Uh, I know Skyler's been working on an episode like that for a while. Um, Josh, this is the yes. time of the episode where we talk about the flavor text quiz. Are you prepared to answer a question? I'm prepared to answer questions. I'm not prepared to have the right answers. (laughs) All right. Uh, I have a question for you. And this is, uh, this is a card that has been discussed in this episode as it often is. Okay. Uh, The quote is this for the most part, the sons of Velmorn fight as one. Ooh. I feel like it's it's got to be something related to movement or support, which mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't mm-hmm. quite narrow it down. It it does a little bit though. If I give you a hint that it's an objective, does that help? It it really does. I want to say it's relentless unity. He got it. There we go, Ooh, ladies and gentlemen. All right, well done, sir. Uh, it is relentless unity, uh, in the concept of brotherly love. I'm going to make our recommended listening unknown brother by the black keys from the album brothers. Uh, and that's it, Josh. Thanks for being on this episode for what the heck's I've been Davey. I've been Josh. is it and we were recording even so that's awesome (laughs) (laughs) oh god that was gonna be a Uh, yeah i think it'll be a little harder to talk about phil's deck so let's just plan on talking about ours uh yours and mine and then we'll reference phil's uh a little more tangentially yeah Uh, and then uh we'll all i mean i'll we'll promise to link it and maybe i'll even let me maybe i'll even come through on that promise who knows so (laughs) Uh, (laughs) it's it's uh it's always the thing where i'm editing i'm like yep i got everything and then i like uh you know i'm mostly listening for ums ahs dead space that sort of thing or like uh background noise that i can like clean out right every once in a while what's not there yeah exactly and then every once in a while i hear something where somebody would be like yeah let's definitely put that in the show notes i'm like oh my god i totally forgot that (laughs) Uh, so scramble to try and get that done all right